This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Podcast wherever you get your pods. This week's edition of Tom's Talks is a little bit different from the other episodes. It centers around not a singular athlete or personality, but a trio of the game's top-notch broadcasters, a sports smorgasbord, a basketball buffet, if you will. With the Sixers getting a number of games on ESPN of late, I caught up with Mike Breen and Lisa Salters. And with the recent Sixers-Suns matchup, I got the opportunity to talk to Suns broadcaster Tim Kempton. I'm Tom McGinnis. One of the things I miss most about the normal routine of covering an NBA game is the opportunity to chat with the different principals around the court, what I call basketball's version of baseball's around the batting cage, talking with reporters, coaches, scouts, and players on the perimeter of the playing surface. We haven't been able to do that because of the health and safety protocols put in place in arenas around the NBA this season. Mike Breen is the longtime lead voice of the Knicks on MSG and the lead voice for ABC ESPN's package with the NBA. Here's our conversation that originally aired as a halftime interview. Mike, I know when you got here, a little bit of a luster off the matchup tonight with some of the Nets players not playing. Your thoughts there? Well, Mac, we seem to have that every every time we do a game. It's you know, it's just such an unpredictable season. It seems there's there's one key player out. You know, you feel bad for the fans, you feel bad for the coaches, uh, but we've also seen in this kind of situation where a team rallies, it's an opportunity for other guys, and they play with such hunger that sometimes they go out and win. So we're hoping for still a great game. They had the Nets a little hiccup in your game the other night against the Lakers, but you've seen them with Harden, with your Knicks games and whatnot. It's incredible, the talent and the ability that the score that they have. Yeah, I mean, if, if they're healthy, and they get a chance to play together. It's incre- Their record for only having them play together seven games is, is amazing. Um, so I think they're, they're certainly one of the favorites to win it all if they're healthy. But that's that's with everybody. I mean, I say the same thing. If Joel Embiid is healthy the way he's playing, the Sixers are a title contender. You say the same thing for Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo's out now with a knee injury. But if they're healthy, they could get to the NBA Finals. So it's going to make for an exciting playoffs. You just hope that it's exciting because everybody's healthy and everybody's kind of on a, the, the same level and we're going to have great games. You like what the Sixers did, bringing in Curry and Green with Joel and how they're playing under Doc Rivers? Yes. Um, you know, Curry was the perfect fit. And, you know, Danny Green, he takes grief sometimes because he looks, there's some nights out there he'll look like he's, he's older, but he's one of the smartest players I've seen in all my years doing this. He can still hit big shots. He's got all the playoff experience. So I thought they were nice additions. I think George Hill, hopefully he'll get back soon. I think he's going to be an excellent addition, make a huge difference in that second unit. Lastly, but Danny Green, like, you're right. Oh, my God, he has a score. Boom, he has four threes, and he's the best player you got, right? I mean, well, he's, And he's still, every single night he contributes defensively. Um, you know, again, he's, he's not the athletic player that he was. He's never was a great athlete, but he's not as quick as he used to be. But he makes up for it in savvy. And, and it's not a coincidence that he's been a part of a lot of winning teams and championship teams. You're traveling a little bit. You're doing some remote. It's been a bit of a hybrid. How's it going? You're like me, Mac, in that we love the fans. We want the fans to be back. We want to be in the arena. Uh, it's been a little bit of a challenge for us, but as long as we're working, it's great. But I can't wait for tonight. I think this is, of all the games I've done on site, this is the most uh, amount of fans that, that are going to be in a building of a game I've called. So I'm, I'm thrilled, and especially to hear from the Philly fans. You're a drive away from home, huh? <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Okay, Mac. 
Lisa Salters has been with ESPN for over two decades. Among other roles with the network, she's the lead sideline reporter of ESPN's coverage of the NBA on ABC. Salters grew up just outside Philadelphia and played point guard at Penn State in college. I spoke to Lisa prior to the 76ers game with the Warriors. And Lisa, all of our jobs have been affected by the red zone, the yellow zone, and access. But boy, for a sideline report, I would imagine yours is as affected as anybody's. Is yeah, that tell, right? Tell me about it. Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's tough to, you know, talk to players and interact with players when you're not allowed to go around the players. Um, so, like, there are lots of things that, you know, you're just used to. Oh, I need to hit him up about such and such, and I know I can just hit him up pregame after his workout, before his workout. Uh, and just ask them quickly about something, but you can't do that anymore. So I feel like I'm constantly bugging, uh, you know, guys like Patrick Reese <laughs> and Raymond Ritter for, for the Warriors, the PR guys, who have been great, the PR men and women. They've just been great this season with the NFL and with the NBA. Um, everyone is just kind of taking it, you know, taking that extra load on. and. Uh, you know, the PR guys are giving us whatever whatever we need, and the players as well. You know, when we ask, usually we'll go to a facility to talk to a player, uh, but we can't do that anymore. So you, I've asked for several players to just give me a call on the phone. Uh, maybe if the PR guy can call and just hand them the phone. But many guys, they want to leave as soon as they, they're done with practice. And you, before, they might call you on their way home. They might not since they're doing it on their own. Uh, I haven't had one guy not call. Uh, they all have just been so responsive, knowing that our access to them has been restricted, and they've made themselves available by calling on their own time and letting me do my job, which uh, I couldn't be more appreciative of. That's great. So we visit about an hour before the game, and you're kind of already pre-working like working your hits, right? Like your story and your anecdote, and something might come up during the game. But tell us a little bit about that part of your storytelling. You know, just like you do, like I read the papers and go online and, and get ideas from the PR guys on what they want to get out there. Um, and then just try to, you know, do as much research reporting on my own as I can. Tonight a really cool stories that Steph Curry has a couple of special guests coming to the game. But I don't want to just rely on what I read in the newspaper, so I made it a point of getting the information, uh, his guest information, and calling the guy uh, to find out a little bit about him and about the story. Uh, so that's something that the, uh, your listeners can look out for uh, if, if they happen to be watching the game. Uh, but it, it's that part of, the, of, of it has not changed during COVID. The preparation, the work. I still am doing the same work. I'm just doing it a little bit differently, if that makes any sense. So you're an athlete, but you, you know, your salad days, if you will, were in Baltimore. But you covered, you, you were in the Middle East covering a war. I started in news, so I've only been doing sports since 2000 when I went to uh, when I left ABC News and and switched over to ESPN. Uh, so the first 12 years of my career, I did hard news. Uh, so I've been. Yeah, I've been a lot of places that most sports journalists have not been. And I've been to some, some places, uh, even with ESPN, that a lot of sports journalists would not, uh, you wouldn't typically think uh, of us going to. And, you know, being in the war zone, uh, that was one of those places. ESPN thought it was important to send uh, some of us over there to support the troops and to, to, to actually do Sports Center from the Middle East. And uh, it was uplifting for the troops, it was uplifting for us, uh, for the few of us that got to go over there. Uh, so yeah, I've been kind of all over the place, uh, but it's been a great ride. So preparing your pregame hits with loud music, 
<laughs> compared to a possible scud missile or overhead. 110 degrees like it was like actually 110 115 120 degrees over in kuwait when i was there so yeah not a lot rattles me the music is pretty loud in here but but not a lot rattles me last thought and we probably touched on this in years past but growing up in king of prussia in the 80s i would assume you were a sixers fan that was the glory years with dr j absolutely mo cheeks uh, Bobby Jones, uh, Doug Collins. Uh, I loved. I loved that world be free. Like I, I loved all of it. Um, and in fact, uh, Doc Rivers was just saying pregame because he saw me hit the bell on Friday night. He's like, I didn't know you from. You were from King of Prussia. And where, what is King of Prussia? And I was like, Have you ever been to the mall? And he's like, I have to say, I haven't. But he said that Steph and Seth had told him, uh, like, Oh yeah, you got to get out. You got to get out to the mall. So. King of Prussia claimed to fame. I worked at the mall when I was a teenager, uh, so I have fond memories of the, of the mall at King of Prussia. Well, thank you so much. We'll let you get back to work. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Tim Kempton is a native New Yorker. He played college basketball at Notre Dame and forged a 14-year professional career. He's been a fixture with the Phoenix Suns radio broadcast, and with the recent matchup with the Suns, I spoke to him about the incredible season the Suns are experiencing and the impact of Suns guard Chris Paul. Well, Tim, let's just talk about the Suns. Like, I from afar, and I know you guys are really good, but a little surprised that they've taken off the way they have. But certainly I would imagine Chris Paul has a lot to do with that, and Monty Williams and Book is playing great as well. Yeah, I, I, you really almost have to put it all on Chris Paul. And, you, you, you know, you never want to give one guy too much credit. Uh, this team did go 8-0 in the bubble without Chris. That next level consistently night in and night out in, in the NBA, uh, I think is where Chris Paul has made that, that huge difference. Obviously, you know, short season in the, in the bubble, um, you know, some teams were resting their players in the playoffs, but the Suns did go no. But but again, Tom, it's just that night in, night out, not losing back to back situations since, since back in in January. The overall consistency, the play on the both ends of the court, and, and then just the, the 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 growth of some other players with Chris Paul's ear, and that that would be most notably would be DeAndre Ayton. Uh, although he's made strides himself, I think Chris Paul being here has helped him immensely as well. So you've seen the Sixers and Phoenix won the game out there, but what do you make of Doc Rivers and what he's done here in Philadelphia, Embiid, Simmons, and Harris, and the 76ers is a viable contender to win the East and potentially get to the NBA Finals? Yeah, Tom, you know, any time you add something that you didn't have, and that's no no, you know, discredit to anybody that was Doc Rivers being in the in the trenches with guys in, in difficult situations before. You know, we talk about experience and, and having having been there. We always talk about those young teams that that never really, although supremely talented, never win it in the first or or second go round. They have to go through the rigors uh, of a playoff series uh, of a playoff, you know, two or three series to gain that experience to understand what is necessary. So Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers brings that coaching experience and expectation. And just the, the, the way he used the, the, the players that he has there a little bit differently uh, than, than, uh, than Coach Brown before him. So, 
it's all those little things. You can't really point to one huge thing because basketball at the end of the day is still the same. It may be a quirk in, in taking the guy off the ball a little bit where he still gets 10 shots a game, but it's 10 shots come in a different different scenario. You know, it may be positioning as to where the player gets the ball and then just those little quirks. So, you know, you have Joel Embiid, you have you have Ben Simmons, who's supremely talented. But and, and I don't know if we really know what Ben Simmons is in the league yet. At times he looks phenomenal at the point guard position because of his size and his ball handling ability. Then he looks good in other positions as well. But, you know, Tobias Harris is another guy that, that, that I think is, is supremely talented, one of those guys that can score the ball. And just another added dimension when you get into a playoff series that that you have to that you have to coach against. You have to, you know, definitely bring him up in, in the scouting report every night. Tim, you played the position of center both at Notre Dame and, and in the NBA and a little bit in Europe. Uh just to go back to Embiid a little bit, uh Steve Kerr the other night was saying that he's like an old school center from the eighties with all of those uh skills and then he has today's Euro step and the one-legged shots and the step backs that all the modern players have. And to have that be in that size of a body, and, and there are some great centers, Jokic, and as you say, your young player, Aiton, uh, people say the big man's dead, but not when they come with this skill set. <laughs> Try to talk a little bit about Embiid. Yeah, uh, that, that's what is so, so, you know, just mesmerizing when you watch Embiid. His sheer physical size. Um, I've seen it, and, and we only get to see him twice a year, so I see highlights throughout the year. But when he stands next to to DeAndre Ayton, the size difference is just—I mean, it's 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 glaring. It's glaring. I mean, the, the physical size of Joel Embiid uh, for him to be able—you know—he goes down the low post and just overpowers people, similar to what Shaquille O'Neal did. He goes down and, and, and has moves of. Akeem Olajuwon because of his quickness and his footwork, uh, and, and then you add those dimensions where he goes down to you know to the literally the three point line, knocks down three point shots and has euro step, has the ball handling ability. It's just the continued progress of the skill level of the NBA players today, and now we're seeing it at, at, at the, the center position. You see Jokic's and, and and everybody every night, but Joel Embiid talent wise is probably the most talented player for everything that we've just talked about, his size and his skill level. Jokic's size and his skill level, but doesn't have the quickness, doesn't have the athleticism that Joel Embiid does. Uh, I mean, and I think there's a separation point with Joel Embiid every night, and that's what's so special about him. He really is. Uh, amazing, fun to watch because he does have that old school ability, but he has the modern day uh, skills as well. If you like what you're hearing, consider subscribing to the 76ers Podcast Network feed or giving us a follow wherever you get your pods. And if that happens to be on Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a rating. I'm Tom McGinnis. Talk to you down the road.